Good day to you. Hope you're having a wonderful day. Want to talk to you about something a little unusual. Want to kind of make a comparison. It's kind of a comparison or a contrasting. The difference or similarities to where Jesus Jesus is arrested and he goes on trial <clears throat> and then he is punished. And then you have Paul who later is arrested, who is put on trial. And we believe the outcome of his trial, at least the first one that we're talking about, the one that's recorded, we believe that he is <clears throat> actually found innocent and released. The differences in these is that, first of all, we have to start with Jesus and say that Jesus knew what was coming. He knew what his purpose was. He knew what he was supposed to do. So for Jesus, his situation was slightly different. Paul, now Paul also knew what he was doing. He knew there was risk, but he also knew God was with him. And whereas Jesus was going and Jesus knew he was going to be the sacrifice and he was giving himself for us and he wasn't like he didn't answer and argue with the charges and the accusations instead um, <clears throat> the only things he would admit to was like if they said um, if you look at Mark uh, let's see in Mark 14 he asked if he was the Messiah he, he you know he says yes you know um, Whereas Paul, Paul gave an excellent uh, defense and um, an excellent defense and what's the word I'm looking for and testimony <coughs> in his defense. So I want to look at some of these similarities and also contrast some of these differences um, because I think it makes a difference. Jesus is our example and our leader. But when it comes to this one thing, Jesus gave no defense. He was allowing himself to be sacrificed for a purpose, for a reason. And that was to save everyone. He did that to save everyone. Everyone in the world that ever has been and ever will be has a chance to be a child of God and to go to heaven because of his sacrifice. Paul, on the other hand, <coughs> knew that his sacrifice was not necessary and that that his situation was not even a sacrifice really maybe a sacrifice to God in that he was uh, testifying and going about God's business in the correct way but it wasn't the same as it was for Jesus Paul gives us more of an example of how we should do for ourselves and our family when we're unjustly accused and unjustly um, I guess what, uh, in this case, unjustly arrested. So, um, <clears throat> he gives us an example of what we should do. So, I think this will be useful in that sense, in that the differences of how this was happening. So, like I said, Jesus, now Jesus was arrested, 
he was arrested. Um, Judas and what? Judas and there was a group of people with him. Judas and a cohort of people. You know, a, a group. Some of it. I think one of the things says it's a, a group of. Uh, let me look here. Oh, here we go. So John. Let's look at John chapter eighteen and verse three. Come on. Don't fail me now. Sorry, I rely on this on my phone. <laughs> I'm just telling you. Okay, so it was a little slow, but we got there. So Judas, having obtained the Roman cohort and some officers from the high priests and the Pharisees, came there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Now that's the group that came to arrest Jesus, okay? Alright, so. Now, Paul, on the other hand, Okay, Paul, let's go to Acts. We're going to Acts, work with me here, chapter 21. We're going to look at verse 27 through 33. Paul, on the other hand, is seized and beaten by the people and then saved by a Roman garrison. Okay, so this, this is kind of a difference. Um... Okay, so, starting in verse 27, Acts chapter 21, When the seven days required to complete the ritual were almost over, some Jews from the province of Asia Minor caught sight of him, Paul, in the temple and began to stir up the crowd, and they seized him, shouting, Men of Israel, help us! This is the man who teaches all men everywhere against our people and the law and this place. And besides, he has brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled this holy place. For they had previously seen Trophimus the Ephesian in the city with Paul, and they assumed that he had brought the man into the temple beyond the court of the Gentiles. When the whole, then the whole city was provoked and confused, and the people rushed together, they seized Paul and dragged him out of the temple, and immediately the gates were closed. Now while they were trying to kill him, <laughs> word came from the commander of the Roman garrison that all Jerusalem was in a state of upheaval. So he immediately took soldiers and centurions and ran down among them. When the people saw the commander and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. They were just going to beat him to death. Then the commander came up and arrested Paul and ordered that he be bound with two chains. Then he asked who he was and what he had done. So he saved, they actually saved Paul from being beat to death by coming down and arresting him. So the situations are different in that but both men are innocent. I mean, Jesus hadn't done anything wrong. Paul hadn't done anything wrong. But the, the situation in which they're arrested is quite a bit different. And Jesus goes willingly. I, I don't think Paul had any choice. He's chained and he has to go. Um... But So they were arrested differently. Jesus was totally betrayed by Judas. Paul is basically accused of doing something that he didn't do and something that was wrong. We don't know if there was any betrayal involved in that. We just know that it says they had assumed that he had done something wrong. And so without any proof, you know, they had attacked him. However, now Jesus was bound before the priests and the high priest when he went before them and they did hit and slap him and you know they they treated him 
poorly. Whereas Paul, while he was arrested, he was, you know, he was treated decently. Okay, and how this, but how this happened is kind of weird. And in, in Acts 22, they actually allowed Paul to speak to the crowd and to try to calm them down. And then, further down in that same chapter, Acts 22, um, they were preparing to, uh, to whip Paul. They were going to basically scourge him. Well, let's see. Um, with a whip in order to learn. So I don't know totally if it was a scourging, but it was a whip. So most likely it was very similar. It could be whipping is a little less bad than scourging. But nonetheless, they were going to whip him. But when they had stretched him out, when they had prepared to whip him, you know, Paul said, you know, is it legal for you to whip a Roman citizen and uncondemned without a trial? And when the centurion heard that, he was like, whoa, wait, because Roman citizens had rights similar to what we have. And, you know, those rights were not to be violated. If you did something improper, you could be held responsible and basically um, have yourself receiving punishment or even the death penalty for, you know, violating someone's rights as a Roman citizen. So then, you know, now Jesus, what Jesus went through was very fast. They First they took him before the Jewish council who had really no authority, okay, but before the priests and them. And, you know, and they mistreated him. And this happened in a matter of hours. This did not take all that long. And then they sent him to Pilate. Pilate, <clears throat> Pilate didn't want to deal with Jesus. <laughs> Pilate really didn't want to deal with Jesus. And he sent him to Herod. But then Herod's like, well, I don't want to deal with him. And he treated him with contempt and mocked him and sent him back. Because he feared it was beneath his time. So he sent him back to Pilate. So now Pilate really wanted to release him. As we know, but uh, Pilate couldn't release him or didn't get to release him because of the way the Jews were. The Jews were acting very badly. And so, I mean, to my mind, Pilate was the guy in charge. He really could have released him if he had wanted to, but he did not because of the way the Jews were acting. I don't know if he was kind of afraid of them. He didn't want to have a big uproar in his area because that would look bad on him and to his higher-ups in Rome. You know, there's a number of things going on there. You know, but Jesus, within within hours, you know, Jesus goes through this whole thing. He didn't, he didn't really give a defense. He didn't really answer charges and accusations. Paul, every opportunity he had, okay, he defended himself. You know, um... He asked this guy if it was legal for him to be beaten. And then, he, uh, in chapter 23, let's move to chapter 23 in Acts. Paul is, let's see, in chapter 23, see, the next day, Paul was presented to the council to know the charges, right? So, um, we go to chapter 23, verse 6. Now, he recognizes that part of the council are Sadducees and part are Pharisees. Now, Paul was a Pharisee, okay? 
He knew they had this division among them, so he used their own division against them, saying, I am a Pharisee, a son of Pharisees, I'm on trial for the hope and resurrection of the dead, because they believed in that and the Sadducees did not. He used their own um, division against them. He did, and it was, and, and rightfully so. You know, he got them, they got them all stirred up, and part of the council's like, we find nothing wrong with this man, and suppose an angel has really spoken to him. And then on the following night, the Lord actually did stand near Paul and told him to be brave. Now, this is still in Acts 23. So, because told him to be brave, that you have witnessed about me at Jerusalem, so you must also testify at Rome. So here, what was going on with Jesus when he was quickly taken through this process, kind of mock trial and, and all this other abuse and all these charges that he did not answer. Um, I mean, he did, when they asked him if he was the Messiah, he did respond yes. And if you look at uh, Luke twenty two sixty six through 7, let me look at this real fast. Luke 22, come on. Technology is great except when it quits working, you know what I mean? Alright, so anyway, so he says, If you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed, tell us. But he said to them, If I tell you, you will not believe what I say. And if I ask a question, you will not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the power of God. And they all said, Are you the Son of God then? And he replied, It is just as you say. In other words, you say that I am, or so that he's basically saying yes. And then they, these were the, uh, these were the chief priests and scribes and stuff. They, uh, then they're like, oh, what further testimony do we need? We have heard it from his own mouth. The worst thing in Jewish culture, not in the law, okay, <laughs> but in their culture, in their society, is to make yourself equal to God. And to their mind, make, saying you're the Son of God makes you equal to God. And they they could not abide that. And I've, I've heard um, Dennis Prager say similarly that their, their biggest problem with Jesus was that he made himself equal to God. And that's why they still don't believe, you know. Anyway, that's beside the point. I'm just saying. So that was a big deal to them. And uh, so... In all this that they put Jesus through, happened quickly in hours. Paul's is taking days and taking time. Um, he's going through a real, true legal process. Jesus is really being fast-tracked to an execution, which is what the Jews, when I say the Jews in this case, I mean the leaders, the, uh, the council, the Sanhedrin, and all those, the chief priests and scribes, that's what they really wanted. They just wanted to fast-track him to death. That was it. They wanted to get rid of him, and that was their whole conspiracy with him. Now, there was a conspiracy against Paul as well. If we go back to um, Acts chapter 23... 
I mean, it's amazing the similarities, but if you think about it, he, Paul is dealing with the same people, and he's in Jerusalem. So, of course, he's, their, their, their response is going to be very similar. They're going to do the same. That's a tried and true method. It worked before. It'll work again. We're going to do this again. So they, they had a conspiracy. This is a different type of conspiracy that they would. Um, let, me, let me see if I can read this here. Acts 23. I'm going to read verse 12. Now when the day... Now when day came, the Jews formed a conspiracy and bound themselves under an oath, and it says curse, saying that they would not eat or drink until they had killed Paul. There were more than 40 men who formed this plot and swore this oath. Now, let me read down through here so you'll understand what they were planning. They went to the chief priests and elders and said, We have bound ourselves under a solemn oath not to taste anything, neither food nor drink, until we have killed Paul. So now you, along with the council, notify the commander to bring Paul down to you as if you were going to investigate his case more thoroughly, but we are ready to kill him before he comes near the place. In other words, they were going to ambush. Oh, here we go. Read the next verse. But the son of Paul's sister heard of their planned ambush, and he went to the barracks and told Paul. And then Paul told the centurions and had the young man repeat the, the, uh, the information so that they would know not to send him down to the Jewish court because that would just be... The Jewish court had no real authority anyway, only as much authority as they allowed it to have. Um, so they did not do that. So the commander says, uh, do not tell anyone you have given me this information to that, that boy. But they did not... They did not send Paul down to them for that reason. Instead, they moved Paul to Caesarea and uh, had him wait, or had him, they brought him safely to uh, the governor Felix to be tried, to be his case to be heard. And it would give the Jewish leaders a chance to, you know, come down and in court, okay, to the governor and make their case and Paul to make his case. See, now Jesus did not get that. Jesus got fast-tracked, and like I say, he got fast-tracked to, uh, to death, but he knew his purpose, and he knew he was going to be sacrificed, and he knew that was what he was doing. So there is a difference in the way he reacts and the way Paul reacts now. As Jesus got passed back and forth, in, you know, and this has happened much quicker, he got passed to Herod and back to Pilate. Well, so Paul is passed on to Felix, the governor, and this takes more time. And Paul is kept under guard, waiting until his accusers come to see him. Uh, or they don't come to see him, but come to accuse him in front of Felix. You know, now Felix... <laughs> Paul ran into a uh, bit of extra corruption here in that Felix wanted a bribe from Paul. He did not want to release Paul until Paul had bribed him, paid him some money. And on the other hand, now now here, um, he didn't get that bribe from Paul. And it's hinted 
that as a favor to the Jews, he left Paul in prison for two years. And, and the, the hint is that he it was for a favor of the Jews. Let me see. Um, yeah, let me... Um, well, let me make one thing clear. Paul goes to Caesarea and he's held uh, under guard in Herod's Praetorium, which was the governor's official official residence. So he was not truly being held in a horrible way, in a horrible place. Five days later, the high priest came down and they had their whole thing with Paul in front of <clears throat> Festus with the Jews. And he he really is talking, you know, he's really testifying as he goes. And, um, let's see. Then he ordered the centurion to keep Paul in custody, but to let him have some freedom. And he told the centurion not to stop any of his friends from providing for his needs. So they were still holding Paul. But, here's the thing. But after two years, had, okay, that was before then. Okay. At the same time, he was also hoping to get money from Paul as a bribe. Okay. So he continued to send for him quite often and talked with him. Well, he's trying to get, you know, he's trying to get that, that bribe from him. And um, where is that? I'm looking for... Because they, he is plainly says that he held him. Hmm. Here's what it is. Okay, in verse 27, this is in chapter Acts, chapter 24, and verse 27. But after two years had passed, Felix was succeeded. Now he had held um, Paul imprisoned in this. Now not in prison, but imprisoned in whatever this abode was. But after two years had passed, Felix was succeeded in office by Portius Festus. Um, and wishing to do the Jews a favor, Felix left Paul imprisoned. So he left him imprisoned this whole time. He kept him imprisoned. Not necessarily in a prison, because he was like under a house arrest situation, it sounds like. Um, but Felix held him and really, I mean, this is without due process. I don't know if they had any such thing in the Roman laws back then, but, you know, he held him without due process because he wanted to do the Jews a favor. Did the Jews bribe him? Did they, what did they do for Felix so that he would want to do them that favor? I, it sounds to me like Felix did get a bribe but it was from the Jews and not from Paul. But Felix couldn't really execute Paul because that would look bad on him. And if he sent his soldiers down in an ambush with Paul, that too would look bad on him. So they probably bribed him and he did what he could. Now that's my reading into this. What he could do was hold Paul. And he held Paul until his successor came along and then he was out of the picture and he didn't have to worry about it. Now, Jesus, on the other hand, like I said, his his thing was quick. Pilate sent him to Herod. Herod kind of mocked him and held him in contempt and sent him back and didn't, 
you know, just didn't want to deal with it. Um, just like it was beneath him. And, um, and then Pilate had him back in his lap. Well, Felix does manage to pass the buck on to Festus. So, like in chapter 25, we talk about Paul going before Festus. Um, again, the Jews are requesting that Paul be brought down to Jerusalem. And again, it's mentioned that Festus was wanting to do the Jews a favor. Let's see. Let me find that. Oh, I should have. I'm sorry. I should have um, had this noted ahead of time, but I had written this down, but it looks like I did not put my reference down. Um, anyway, so Festus said something very similar about wanting to do the Jews a favor. So, but what had happened here, if you read Acts 25, was that um, Festus, you know, comes into Caesarea and, um, and the Jews bring charges against him again and they're uh, pleading with him to have Paul brought down to Jerusalem because, you know, they're planning to ambush him on the way, you know, and uh, Festus, you know, basically that he wants them to bring their charges before him against Paul. And this, this takes days. It sounds like even a couple of weeks is eight or ten days. Um... After Paul arrives, the Jews who had come down from Jerusalem brought up all these charges. And um, Paul says, I have done no wrong, committed no offense. But, oh, here it is, verse 9. So it's chapter 25, verse 9. But Festus, wishing to do the Jews a favor, answers Paul. Now, he doesn't, to me, this isn't really an answer. This He offers him a choice. Because he's a Roman, faking it because he's a Roman citizen, but he's really doing this because he's wishing to do the Jews a favor. Again, was Festus bribed? Were they that corrupt that both of these governors were easily bribed and swayed by the Jews? I, I don't know. I think it's possible. So he wishes to do the Jews a favor. Are you willing to go to Jerusalem and stand trial there in my presence before the Jewish Sanhedrin on these charges? Paul refuses. Now, notice that Paul is given a choice. Now, Jesus is never given a choice like this. Um, Paul is given a choice. And so he um, says, I'm standing before Caesar's tribunal where I ought to be tried. I have done nothing wrong to the Jews, as you know. Therefore, um, in other words, no. I'm not willing to go <laughs> to Jerusalem. Paul knows what they're trying to do. He knows they're still trying to do that ambush and kill him. But he also realizes that Festus is also corrupt. And that he's not going to get anywhere with Festus, just like he's already sat here for two years, over two years with Felix. He realizes the corruption is still there. The Jews have paid Festus. And that Festus is limited somewhat in what he can do, but he can hold him there and possibly indefinitely, so he says, I appeal to Caesar. 
and Festus, I don't think he's really thrilled with this, but he manages, you know, he says, okay, you've appealed to Caesar, that's where you'll go. But then his problem is, see, he had, he, being corrupt, he had taken, I, I really believe this to be true, he had probably taken this bribe from the Jews, and um, now he's in a quandary. Well, I've got to have charges. I can't just send him to to Rome to be tried for no charges. There has to be a charge, but I don't have a charge because Paul really hasn't done anything wrong. So now Festus gets Agrippa involved and uh, tries to, you know, ha have him help find a charge for Paul. And there is, you know, there is no charge to levy against Paul. Uh, Agrippa is like, there's nothing wrong. I don't think... Agrippa knows the true corruption that's going on because he makes the mistake of, uh, well, he makes a mistake. He says, um, had this man not appealed to Caesar, you could release him. Well, um, yeah, in, in chapter 26 and verse 32, and Agrippa said to Festus, this man could have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. But the problem with that is, is that Agrippa doesn't realize the, uh, he just doesn't realize the corruption and what's been going on and that Paul's already been held for over two years and here Festus is really basically planning on doing the same thing. Now, notice how long all this has taken. By comparison, Jesus, within a matter of hours, Okay, within 24 hours went from being arrested to dying on the cross. So, um, Paul's case here takes, takes years. He finally, now he does finally travel to Rome, okay? He does travel to Rome. Now this is not all recorded. It does it is recorded in Acts that he gets to Rome. You know, he goes through um, some shipwreck to get there, but he does get there. And um, let me see how this ends here. Let me see if I say this correctly. Paul lived for two years at his own expense in his own rented lodging, still being under house arrest and still preaching to the people in Rome, whoever would come and listen. But two more full years in Rome. And then, documents records show um, the belief is, the belief is that he was found innocent before uh, Caesar, because there was nothing to charge him for. He was found innocent and released. Of course, later, he was again arrested and martyred. Um, I think uh, they said he was beheaded. And uh, this was for some other charge. Who knows what, you know. Uh, nonetheless, that that is, like I said, later. That is another time, another incident. Um, but the indication is that he was probably found not guilty, he was probably released, and then he continued his ministry for some time because there was some, uh, then they believed that he was arrested again and martyred later at some other time. All right, so the comparison there, the reason I do all this, okay, quick, I'll try to tie this up and make a quick summary of this, is that, um, you know, Jesus went through what he went through, and he went through it quickly, 
and very painfully and very horribly, but he did that as a, as a he did that for us, okay, for a reason, for a purpose, and he sacrificed himself. Paul, on the other hand, okay, sets an example for how we should do because we shouldn't just allow ourselves to be taken and just done away with for no reason and to be mistreated. Paul actually shows a valid way of defending ourselves and, pre and presenting testimony at the same time and properly and legally defending ourselves. And yes, even so, even though he did that, he still went through years of like house arrest and, and all this craziness. But he still took every opportunity he could to spread the word of God. And in the end, in the end we believe that he was actually found innocent and set free because they really had no valid charges for him in this case at this time. So I think he sets an example of how we should act when we're under fire. Now I think of it as legally being under fire, but also even if we're not legally being under fire, if, if people are just um, like the Sanhedrin wanted to just take him and kill him or, or have him ambushed and, and have him killed, you know, um, we should wisely and properly defend ourselves and keep ourselves out of danger as much as we can. He knew they wanted to ambush uh, any party that took him down to Jerusalem and kill him. So we shouldn't willingly and knowingly walk into that for no reason. See, Jesus did all this for a reason. He knew his sacrifice was for a reason. Had Paul done that and just allowed himself to be killed, it would have served no purpose. And the Lord had already told him he wanted him to testify in Rome. He wanted him to be in Rome. And then the whole time Paul was in Rome, he was teaching and preaching as much as he could. It says, Preaching and proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness and boldness, unhindered and unrestrained. So, so I think Paul sets the example for us in how we should be in these matters. And uh, Jesus' example, Jesus' example is how is how he sacrificed himself and how he did not defend himself for us. But that's not... There was a purpose, there was a reason for that sacrifice. He sacrificed himself for our greater good. Paul, had he just allowed himself to be killed, it would not have been for our greater good. It would have been for um, a worse condition. The outcome would have been worse. All these people he spoke to in Rome would never have been spoke to. So... You see what I mean? There's a there's a difference. There's a reason and purpose for everything, and I think for us, most likely, most all the time, we should be taking a path more like Paul, where we're trying to defend ourselves. We're not Jesus. Our sacrifice is not really going to help anything. If in some way there is something that you can sacrifice in life to help others, that's fine. But I'm speaking specifically of these types of cases, so. Anyway, so I thought that was interesting and I was just, I felt driven to just look at this and see the differences and I'm just thinking about it from the standpoint of when we're unjustly accused that uh, we should defend ourselves such as Paul does in the right way and properly and that we don't, when we're unjustly accused and, and our sacrifice would mean 
nothing would not help anything uh, we would not want to follow Jesus example Jesus example would be followed when our sacrifice and our silence would actually benefit others and be of you know would be worthwhile so and probably for us that is probably not going to be the case because Jesus has already done that for us so there's no reason for us to do that all right I want to thank you for listening I hope this has been interesting I thought it was interesting just to look at it and think about it so hope you have a wonderful day remember to stay safe and remember God loves you.